When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old U.S. of A., you might just think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view, mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program that hopefully will cause you to stop and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. Good morning, everybody. It's the middle of July, July 15th, 2020, and it is hot. Not because of climate change or global warming, because it's summertime. It's always hot in the summertime, remember? Or have you been brainwashed to think that it's hotter this year because of some phony story about man-caused climate change or global warming? I'll save that topic for another day because some startling evidence has come out showing that the temperature of the earth was much hotter several times in the past, as in groups of millions of years, long before man was ever around. No, today, boys and girls, for your listening displeasure, I'd like to talk to you about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and gropey Joe Biden. We'll do that in just a moment. This is the Truth Hurts program. Here's your host, Steve Z. It's been over two years since the wacko, nutjob Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wiped down the bar, hung up her apron, and moved from a low-rent apartment in New York to her new upscale digs in Congress. It was two years ago when AOC made the outlandish claim that we only have two years left to save the planet. Of course, when she was proven wrong, Cortez did what most impudent little spoiled children do. She said she was just kidding. She made her campaign platform out of the lie, the hoax, the misinformation, the joke. You know how she and others on the left make a daily habit of fact-checking every sound that comes out of Donald Trump? Every cough, every sneeze, every fart? AOC had the audacity to tweet the following message when she was called out by actual fact-checkers about her insidious lie regarding 12 years to the end of, like, everything. The tweet from her Twitter account on May 12, 2019. Quote, This is a technique of the GOP to take dry humor plus sarcasm literally and fact-check it. Like the world ending in 12 years thing. You'd have to have the social intelligence of a sea sponge to think it's literal. Unquote. She also said, The GOP is basically Dwight from the office, so who knows? Unquote. Five short days later, after saying her 12 years to the end of the world thing was a joke, she posts again on Twitter, quote, Climate change is here, and we've got a deadline. 12 years left to cut emissions in half or the end of the world. A Green New Deal is our plan for a world and a future worth fighting for. 
How did we get here? What is at stake? And where are we going? Unquote. So was it a joke? Or was it really what she thinks? We may never know. Showing her idiocy once again on June 23rd of this year, AOC made the ridiculous statement that Latinos are black when she was questioned about racism in the Latino community. The far-left Democrat then called for conversations around colorism in an interview on the Spanish-language network Telemundo. She was asked by the Telemundo reporter, What do you think the Latin community should do to stop racism among them and among other races? AOC replied, quote, A lot of times I'll hear people say, like, okay, this is about Black Lives Matter. What about Latinos? And I always say, Latinos are black. We are Afro-Latina, and we run an entire racial spectrum. We have to have conversations about colorism, and we have to have conversations about the African and indigenous roots from which we come, and how that's reflected in systems of power, wealth equality, and frankly, our political system, unquote. This is not the first time that Cortez showed how actually ignorant and confused she truly is about race. Remember, Miss Cortez, the following. The Spanish Armada crossed the ocean and conquered much of the North American continent. You know, Spain, that pesky little European nation that once held most of the South in the United States, all of Mexico and Central America, the conquistadors, the conquerors of indigenous persons in North and Central America, and South America for that matter. Back in her bid last year to do away with immigration and customs enforcement and the Border Patrol, her statement was, quote, We are standing on native land and Latino people are descendants of native people. We cannot be told and criminalized simply for our identity and for our status, unquote. Again, Ms. Cortez, it was the Spanish people, Spaniards from Spain in Europe, you know, where all the white Europeans came from, the Spanish people, in their purest form, had blonde hair, many with blue eyes. They came to Central America, they came to South America, they came to the southern part of North America, they slaughtered the Indians, <clears throat> the, the indigenous native people, in the name of España. They destroyed the indigenous people and took the land. Why do you think there are Spanish architecture buildings throughout the South, throughout all of Mexico and Central America? It is because the European Latino people conquered the Native Americans, conquered the native indigenous people of Central America and what we now know as Mexico, mated with them, forced the Spanish language upon them, bred with them. You have your facts confused, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She spends much of her time trying to decide if she wants black people to work with her agenda or if she wants to distance herself from black people. She can't seem to decide whether it would be better to work with the second most populous minority, you know, the 13% of Americans who are identified as black, or 
if she wants to stay segregated with her 16% Hispanic minority. Back on January 21st, 2019, a Bernie supporter asked AOC about the wacky 12-year prediction. She responded, again on Twitter, you know, like, quote, Millennials and Gen Z and all these folks that come after us are looking up and we're like, the world will end in 12 years if we don't address climate change and your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? Like, unquote, like, The oops, I got caught in a lie, so now I'll blame it on sarcasm or comedy game, was best played by former Daily Show host Jon Stewart. He would challenge a Republican with some off-the-wall crappy topic, and then when he was shown to be a buffoon about it, because the Republican was informed and gave a real answer, Stewart's response was, well, what did you expect? I'm a comedian. We'll be right back. Aha. We caught you thinking. This is the truth hurts. Here he is once again, Steve Z. The Democrats saw the wild popularity and the massive successes of Donald Trump in the White House. And they said, we need someone like that. So they used AOC as what was supposed to become their version of Donald Trump. You know, a loudmouth New Yorker who likes to tweet, someone with a thin skin and massive ego. But unlike Trump, she has the liberal media a willing press to support her outlandish statements. And as a somewhat person of color, sort of, depending on who she's hanging out with or what makeup they pile on her little horsey face, she can sell magazines and newspapers. With Soros backing her, remember the entire candidacy candidacy of AOC was based on classified ads that the Democrats and Soros money machine paid for. They interviewed thousands of people to run against the then sitting congressperson, And with Soros backing her, how could she lose? After all, she's pretty darn certain, like, that, you know, like, you know, like, she's, like, smarter, like, than everyone else, like, like. The Green New Deal was dead on arrival, anyway. Nasty Nancy was not about to let this little twit, this little bartender girl, upstage her on the world stage. And the band of gypsy bitches known as The Squad? How in the living hell... Could they possibly be elected, much less re-elected in a fair election? You mean to tell me there are enough people in those districts who actually believe that Sharia law is a good thing? Remember those Muslim women are not even allowed to read in Burkaville overseas. But they're sitting in our Congress today, over here, doing things to our Constitution that would make the Founding Fathers set themselves on fire. They're wiping their asses with the Constitution, and we're letting it happen. Those Muslim women are getting a pass from the media because they're ordered to do so by the New World Order, by the puppet masters, by the people pulling your strings. Those women are currently being used as pawns in the grand sheik's scheme of things. 
when you mix Naughty Nancy, AOC, and these four faux hoes from the squad in the same room, there's bound to be some fur a-flying. Fur a-flying. As these witches now begin to eat each other alive, there might still be a glimmer of hope for America. Hope that those will kill each other off before the next election, where there will for sure be Democrat ballot stuffing as we've already seen in the primaries. Of course, unless you watch non-traditional mainstream media, you wouldn't know about all the ballot box stuffing that's been going on. The people who have been caught putting large quantities of Democrat ballots into the mix. Donald Trump had better grow some really big balls and empower the Attorney General to start doing some real investigating before this crap goes off the deep end without a life ring. It's not AOC's 12 years that I'm worried about. It's the next four. In a moment, we'll chat about a bumbling, fumbling, stumbling, mumbling, creepy Joe Biden. Come on. You know you were thinking the same thing. The truth hurts. Joe Biden's new energy plan was announced yesterday at a teleprompter-prompted speech on the campaign trail. Joe Biden's new energy plan was written by AOC and all her wacky kill-all-oil crew. And since it was so easy for them to simply print a couple of trillion dollars to help with the so-called corona crisis, the Democrat candidate for Senate, uh, the Senate Democrat candidate, I'm not running for Senate, I'm running for, wait a minute, I'm running for president. And since it was so easy to print a couple of trillion dollars for the so-called corona crisis, the Democrat candidate for president, Joe Biden, blurted out that he wants to print a few more trillion dollars in the name of rebuilding the nation's infrastructure. That's funny as hell because during his time as vice president, he and Barack Hussein Obama made it a point to look right into the cameras and lie to the American people about infrastructure. Remember the millions of so-called shovel-ready jobs that never really appeared? The Democrats keep going back to the same lies and the same BS that they use each and every single election cycle. And half the nation falls for it each and every single time. There were no shovel-ready jobs during the Obama and Biden's eight years in the White House. There was no improvement in the minority unemployment rate. There was no reduction in black-on-black crime or black-on-white crime. There was no racial harmony under the Obama and Biden administration. And now, sleepy, creepy, gropey, dopey Joe Biden, who they're hiding from interviews and debates, feels like it is your duty to vote for him in November. Now, they won't dare let him debate 
or even answer a single question after he, like his mentor, reads a prepared speech from a teleprompter and simply walks away from the microphone. And by the way, if you watched it yesterday, it was really kind of sad. Sad to watch a man at the middle stages of dementia having difficulty reading from the teleprompter. I think in Joe Biden's diminishing mind, he was wondering how they got those words to float in the air like that. Oh, I think in his dwindling mind, he wonders how they got that magic television screen to simply hover in the air near him. That's one fancy record player, Joe. Remember, gropey Joe Biden is the gaff master. And in case you forgot, play the cuts of him bumbling, fumbling, mumbling, and stumbling to try and get two sentences together. Play the cut. Really? Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. Nobody should be in jail for a nonviolent crime. My <laughs> name is Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. What? What's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town. State. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on. Big crawling. Poor kids are just as bright and just as tall as white kids. Huh? We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. We choose truth over facts. Huh? Think about it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. Go. You know the you know the thing. Yeah, you know you know the thing, the the truth, the the the, the fact. I'm running for Senate. I, it was, uh, Vermont's a great town. This man has trouble understanding where he is from minute to minute and day to day. Yet the Democrat Party thinks that this man is the best and the brightest person to lead America. Lord help us all. U.S. Congress Republican Whip Steve Scalise yesterday reacted to Joe Biden's so-called energy plan proposal in a Facebook post to his followers, quote, President Trump's energy plan puts America first. Joe Biden's energy plan puts giveaways to Joe Biden's crooked friends first. It's Solyndra on steroids, unquote. To the credit of Congressman Scalise, thank you for pointing out those facts, but you forgot the Hunter Biden Burisma Gas Company deal that benefited Gropy Joe's son to the tune of millions of dollars by Joe Biden's own admission of his involvement in an extortion scheme using a billion dollars of your tax money as a threat against Ukraine if their then-president didn't fire the prosecutor who was on the verge of nailing Little Hunter in that illegal energy scheme. Commenters on Scalise's Facebook page made snide remarks about Trump having a plan but it is those commenters who benefited the most from Trump's awesome economy during the first three and a half years of the Trump administration 
before all the planned riots and anarchy, before the Russian collusion hoax, and before the overhyped COVID-19 issues. What I find funny in America is the fact that half the nation at any one point in time is actually hoping and praying for the failure of our nation just because their side lost an election. Let me rephrase this. Half of the United States of America is hoping and praying that the programs put forth by a president of the party they did not vote for will fail. Well, if that happens, who the hell loses? The answer is everyone loses. When Trump had the economy churning to its highest levels in modern history, half of America and almost all of the media sat back wringing their hands, hoping and praying for it to all fail, to fall down, to crash, just so they could say something bad about Donald Trump. Just because he won and their candidate lost. That's sick. That is sadomasochistic in nature. It is a derangement issue. It's like being right-handed and having a thumb war with yourself. And if the left hand wins, you cut off your right hand because you're angry that the other hand won. It's sadistic. It's self-deprecating. It's self-destructive. And it's bad for America as a whole. It truly is a sickness like anorexia or bulimia. Half of this nation actually rejoiced when the economy faltered at the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak. Half of this nation actually cheered when the unemployment rate went up and people lost their jobs just so they could prove a point. It's sick. Imagine watching a charity football game between a team in a red uniform and a team in a blue uniform. It's a charity game, so no matter which team wins, the total points scored by both teams would be multiplied by a million dollars and that money would go to a charity, minus any damage done to the stadium. Keep that in mind. No matter which team wins, the total points scored by both teams would be added together and multiplied by a million dollars and that money would go to the charity minus any damage done to the stadium. In this case, the charity is the United States economy and all the citizens would benefit from it or suffer through it, as the case may be. The stadium is the nation. So the red team is now winning by three touchdowns. It's 28 to seven at halftime. This means so far, $35 million will go to the charity. But the blue team's fans don't like the coach of the red team. So they spend their entire effort concentrating on a way to make sure that the red team doesn't score a single additional point. They don't concentrate on themselves scoring to add to the total because they simply don't want the red team to get another point because they don't like the coach. Hell, they even go to the officials and try and have two of the red team's touchdowns erased by making up phony charges that the red team had help from some Russian kid. Then, when that fact doesn't work, they try to blame the red team's coach for some other lies. Now it's halftime, and the blue team knows they cannot overcome the red team's three-touchdown lead with their current playbook. So they simply call in a bomb threat to the stadium. The second half gets canceled altogether. 
and the charity loses. This is what's happening in America today. The charity, which was actually the U.S. economy, was realizing the benefits of the red team's three-touchdown lead in the form of their coach Trump's economy. The blue team did not like that. They did not have the mental capacity to understand that they too were reaping the benefits of the total number of points being scored by the charity. The blue team tried blaming their being behind on some Russian kid, then some Ukrainian kid, then some cheerleader who supposedly slept with the red team's coach, which had nothing to do with the game, by the way. Then they tried to take away the points that benefited the fans of both sides, and when halftime rolled around, they decided, let's just bomb the damn stadium so the red team won't win. They decided to say that supporters of the red team are racist, so they rioted in the stands, destroyed the stadium, and after all the points were added up and the damage was deducted, the charity loses. Because the charity, the United States, will now have to cover the expenses of rebuilding the stadium before they donate the first dollar to that charity. You're not going to like hearing this. After all, the truth hurts. Instead of realizing that things are going great under President Trump, and instead of reaping the rewards of the booming economy, half of the country is sitting back right now, broke, but smiling because they proved a point. Or at least they think they proved a point. They're actually pretending to be happy now. They're happy that things are not going so well in America, just so they can say that they were right in thinking Trump sucks. They don't care that Trump had the lowest minority unemployment numbers in history. They don't care that Trump had the stock market at its highest levels in history. They don't care that more minorities were working and contributing and paying taxes than at any other time in the history of the nation. They don't care that our nation had finally achieved energy independence. They don't care that manufacturing was finally returning to this nation. They don't care because they didn't wear a red jersey to the game. They don't care because they only support the blue team, even to their own detriment. Even if it means they can no longer go to games because they can't afford tickets or because the games have now been canceled, even if it means they lose their jobs because they can wear their blue jerseys today and say, I told you so. says out loud exactly what you are thinking. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. I was actually a little sad and had some pity on the blue team's new proposed coach yesterday as I watched him stumble and fumble, mumble and literally crumble behind the microphone at the podium 
while he tried to read the words on a magic floating teleprompter? I actually felt sorry for Joe Biden because he has to know that his mind is failing. He has to know he's being used. And he has to know that he will likely be cast aside soon after the election if he would happen to win. He has to know that the Democrats will most certainly either force him to step down or they'll shame him or humiliate him into doing so. Or worse, something bad might happen to him just after he is inaugurated. The powers that be, the puppet masters, those pulling the strings, have no choice now but to keep creepy, sleepy, mumbling, stumbling, mopey, gropey Joe Biden as their candidate for president. It's too late in the game to substitute anyone else. And even if they could, who would it be? The other Democrat candidates did a pretty good job of eating each other alive during the debates last year. They did a really good job at cutting each other down and pointing out all of their weaknesses. No, the left really only has two choices. Number one, let Biden continue to run while hiding him from live interviews and any question and answer sessions and hope that he can simply hold up and hold out until the election. Then they can have him step down and allow his vice presidential pick to simply take the reins. Or number two, they can cut bait now and let Trump have four more years, where they can continue to make up fake allegations, phony charges, false conspiracies, and continue the expensive proposition to try and unseat a successful Republican president. Oh, they'll put more scandals and viruses and racial unrest in front of you. But to them, it's expensive. That will cost money to fix that stadium. No, my friends, it is likely they will continue to hide old gropey Joe Biden from the cameras, except for the occasional pre-written teleprompter speech with no questions asked at the end. They'll blame coronavirus for wanting to keep him away from the public, even though everyone there will be wearing a mask. You know, the magic mask that keeps you from getting covid It's likely he won't announce his choice for vice president until the last possible moment. And it's likely that the person he chooses will be an I told you so candidate, like Michelle Obama or Hillary Clinton, because either one of those would fit the agenda of the left. After all, they owe Hillary, don't they? She's owed for her shot because they screwed her with Obama twice. And supposedly, everybody loves them some Barack Hussein Obama's mate, Michelle. Supposedly. To all the other potential VP candidates out there pandering to the DNC and the Biden campaign, I'm afraid you won't be selected because the machine is running. It's on the track. And it's going to roll no matter what you say or think or do. And that's the way it is today, July 15th, 2020. And it's the truth. And as always, the truth hurts. And that's about all I have to say on this topic for now. Usually when all is said and done, much more is said than is ever done. But it is sometimes the doing that causes more harm than it does good. 
So go out and make a difference in the world, but whatever you do, make it a positive change, not a negative one. This is the Truth Hurts program, and we'll see you next time.